And uh, I'm Brandon. I'm one of the leaders here of this service, and I'm really glad that you guys are here. I'm excited to, for this message tonight. And also, for those of you who are just joining us, we're currently right in the middle of our series through uh, Judges. And uh, we have this cool, catchy, kind of comic book style title, Heroes and Villains, also comic book theme poster to go with it. And uh, there's a reason for that. It's not just because it looks really awesome. But uh, we're kind of doing this a little bit differently, for instance, than we did in our last series where we went through it verse by verse. But we're kind of taking and kind of looking at some key characters, some key stories through the book of Judges and uh, examining them a little bit closer and trying to get something out of it, I hope. And uh, the, the book of Judges is full of heroism and villainy. It's a book that is heroic but also violent and there's some very intense situations and stories we've already started to look at some of those and uh as we go through the book we'll even it gets a little bit more intense i think towards the end and but it's our goal as we look through this book or any time we get into the word is to grasp and to leech on, latch on to anything that we can to grow and to learn from and uh, sometimes from the good examples we see and sometimes from the bad examples, but both have something to offer us. So that's where we're at right now. Last week, I want to do a little bit of a recap since we're doing, we did part one of Gideon and now we're going to be finishing with part two. Uh, last week, we looked at Gideon, who was this guy full of doubt, full of fear in his life, and how. He went again and again to God, I need a sign, can, can you give me a sign? And he kind of has this moment where he says, uh, pardon me God, you want me to do what now? And uh, we looked at how he dealt with his fear and how he was kind of, didn't see himself the way God saw him. And a part of this was the culture that he came from. So the people were under oppression and it was a culture that was in hiding in fear, and this brought on a shame with it. And uh, so Gideon was kind of in the midst of this, hiding from the enemy, and uh, an enemy that had been oppressing them and bringing shame and hiding onto the culture. But it was out of this that God calls him, out of this place of hiding, this place of fear, and calls him to a great purpose and to do something mighty. And he even calls him mighty warrior. Gideon, you mighty warrior. And uh, that's where he kind of gets a little confused and starts asking questions uh, of God and what God means by that. And we looked at that. Everybody, everyone here today, if we are believers, when we're following God, God has called us to a purpose, called us to a great purpose in our lives and that uh, whether you know it or not or whether you think it or not you are mighty in the Lord that we are all mighty warriors as Gideon was because of Gideon who was afraid and uh, really in this place of shame and hiding can be called mighty when we're walking with God we can be mighty warriors for him as well and that we want to do that uh, for the Lord and yeah, mighty in the Lord, not in himself, but mighty in the Lord in the purpose that God had for him. We also looked at how we have fear and we have shame and we have unbelief at times because we too are in a culture that fear and shame and hiding are a part of our culture as well. And 
we have this feeling that we need to earn our way through life, earn our way to God, and we can look at ourselves as Gideon did with, you know, who, who am I to do what God is calling me to do and deal with self-doubt. And so we looked at a verse that I want to read again because it's something that I think is important. I want to re-emphasize it. And we looked at it in Mark chapter 8, verse 24. And the kind of leading up to this verse is a man brings his son who's demon-possessed, who's struggling, and uh, he asks Jesus, hey, if you can, will you heal him? And Jesus is like, hey, if you believe, if any, anything you believe, if you believe, then anything is possible when we believe. And the man's response to that is where I want to, what I want to focus on really quickly. In verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And we can come to God with our fears, with our doubts, and come to him as our father and say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling I, I do believe, but I have doubts. I, I have self-doubt about myself. And we can bring that to God and say, God, I, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. And he's faithful to, to help us and to mold us from that and to help us to overcome those fears. And it's a safe place to come to him in that. So that's what we looked at last week. And uh, before I preach the whole message again, I want to encourage you guys, if you did miss it, you can listen to it online. It's on our Facebook, also on the website. And before we get into Gideon part two, as I know you're all excited to do, uh, let's take a minute and just pray to give this time over to the Lord. Father, we thank you as always for your word that is true and good, and that uh, as we read your word, as we look at these examples, as we look at, as we look at Gideon, God, help us to be open in our hearts to receive something from you, to, to hear from you, to be led by you as we look at his example for better and for worse, and that we would be transformed and changed by your word and your work within us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's dive right in. If you have your Bibles, you can open them or turn them on. We're going to start in chapter 7. And I want to start by reading verses 1 through 7, just to kind of give us a start of what's going on here. So, verse 1, early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. And just really quickly, if you don't remember, last week we kind of touched on it, but uh, he, Gideon calls for all of the fighting men of Israel. So they're they're going to finally face their oppressors. God calls Gideon, mighty warrior. You are going to be the one who leads the people to victory. And uh, so he calls all the people, all of the men, the fighting men, to him. And this is where they're at. They're all camped out and uh, getting ready to fight and waiting to hear what God will call them to do. So the camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, 
There is still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down and drink. 300 of, of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give, Midian, give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. Now, just interesting fact. I've always wondered why those who lapped like a dog and those who got on their knees. I'm always interesting how God made that the distinction between who would stay and who would go. I've read a lot of commentaries. No one seems to have any idea why God did that. Maybe we'll never know. Interesting fact. But what I really want to focus on here is what God says, well, two times. You have too many men. There's too many for me to deliver them into your hands. In our walk with God, we're being molded and we're being transformed by God, right? Through the Holy Spirit who's working within us, performing a a great work. He's uh, finishing the work that he began in us. We've looked a lot at that uh, last week as well. And one of our core values here is about being uncomfortable. And what that means is that we need to be okay to be uncomfortable. And what I mean by uncomfortable is when we're being changed by God, when we're being matured through situations that we face, it's not always comfortable because growth is not always comfortable. When we have change, it can be painful at times. It can be a little bit, make us a little uneasy. Physically, when we grow I know for me as a teenager growing up, it was very painful physically as your bones are being stretched. And as we're being spiritually stretched and God is growing us and maturing us as believers, it can be something that is uncomfortable. And Gideon had his doubts. He had his fears that he was dealing with, but God called him mighty anyway. And now we see God moving Gideon into a deeper maturity in his relationship and his walk with God. And that's what I really want to be focusing on today. After questioning God, and more than once, we saw him again and again say, all right, God, I need another sign. I need another sign. Even though God gave him sign after sign, he still needed more. And now God's kind of moving him into this new season of his life where he's put in a position to face uncountable numbers of, of enemy. We'll look at it later that uh, it says that the army was not even countable, that even their camels were like the sand of the seashore, whatever that means. But lots and lots of enemy. And Gideon, he's got around 31,000 guys, all right, which is a pretty good amount of people if you think about it, but against hundreds of thousands, it's nothing. It was nothing to begin with. And God still says, nope, that's too much. 
That's too many men. Because as God is doing this mighty work in us and through us, it's always about his glory. It's always about God being glorified in what he's calling us to do and what he's moving in our hearts to do. And he wants us to, we're designed to glorify him. And so sometimes God will remove our safeties and God is removing Gideon's safeties. So he probably felt a little bit safer with the 30,000 plus guys than he did with the 300. But that's where we see God calling him, removing his safeties. Because then they're in a position where it's not possible to do it without God. It would have been really difficult to do it with the 30,000. But maybe if you had like the best of the best, it might have been possible. Now it's impossible without God. 300 against hundreds of thousands is not like bad odds. It's not possible without God. And that's the position Gideon has been put in. And don't you just hate when God does that? Don't you hate when God sometimes takes away our safeties, takes away the things that are maybe our comfort and what he might be calling us to do? Maybe you're facing a, a hard time, a difficult situation, but you think on the things that you do have. Oh, well, you know, at least I have this money in the bank right now, or at least I have this going for me. At least I have this relationship to, as a support in my life. And then somehow, sometimes we get in these positions where we lose those, and God says, hey, don't worry. You don't need that. You have me. Gideon didn't need the 30,000. He had God. And maybe you can think of situations in your own life where you have things that as you're facing hard times, as you're facing struggles, you want to cling to, you want to run to and hold on to. And uh, as we're maturing in our Christianity, there comes times where those safeties start to be removed and we have to trust in the Lord who gives us what we need. Philippians 4:19 And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now that's good news. That means everything that we need God's going to provide. And what did Gideon need? He needed those 300. But uh, when we're facing hard times, when we're facing difficult situations, a lot of times we don't necessarily want what we need. We want what we want. <laughs> and uh, maybe with our finances, and I know in, in my life, especially when I first came to Germany, I was, there were months where I was like, all right, God, I'd really like to have the finances I need for this year. And sometimes I had the finances I need for the week. <laughs> And sometimes we want God to maybe feel the way he did or have this kind of emotional connection that we had with God at this one time in our life. And we, we want that again. We want it to be like it was. Or maybe in situations where we're stepping out into something that feels unknown, 
we want God to tell us the plan for the next five years. All right, God, can you send me the planner? Can you let me know where I'm going to be each year for the next five years? But we don't always get what we want. But God does supply what we need. As in the words of the great philosophers, also known as the Rolling Stones. You can't always get what you want. But when you try, sometimes you might find you get what you need. (laughs) Not exactly the word of God. Close, but the point is there. That we can trust that God will supply what we need. Not always what we want, but he will always give us what we need. And that's good news. (laughs) Because as we're growing and as we're being stretched, sometimes it feels like we're not getting enough. It feels like, like we're barely getting what we need. But we can trust God. If he can send Gideon into battle with 300 against hundreds of thousands, he can give you what you need in your life. He can give you the things that you need to get through where you are right now, even if it doesn't always feel that way. And I'm reminded of a story in my life when I was a kid. And uh, I learned how to ride a bike. And in the States, I haven't seen it a lot here, but I'm sure most of you guys know, in the States we have training wheels on bikes when you first learn how to ride a bike. That way you can buy the kid a bigger bike. And it has these wheels that kind of come off the back tire, and uh, keep it stable. And it's awesome when you're a kid because you can't fall. You, you're safe. I mean, like you can stop, you can turn, whatever you do, the bike is not going to fall down because you have these support wheels holding you up. But there comes a day when it's not cool to ride with training wheels anymore, and the training wheels have to come off. And... Uh, sometimes it goes really well for some people not for me I, uh, I'll never forget the day that I first rode my bike without training wheels I was really excited and I felt like I was ready definitely I mean I knew what I was doing I had been riding you know, for years now I was like a pro and, uh, and I was like you know what's the big difference you know training wheels no training wheels it's just riding a bike there's a difference and it's quite big And I noticed it, not when I took off, that went really well. But when the road turned really hard to the right, I didn't. I just kept on going straight. Because turning is a lot more difficult uh, without training wheels, if you're used to having training wheels. And I was really afraid that I was going to fall, so I decided it's better to just go off-roading. And uh, luckily there was a tree there to break my fall, and I just smacked right dead into a tree, into really high grass, and then it gets really good, because I didn't notice that all around the tree were cactus, just thick cactus for like a five-foot radius. I mean, there was no getting out of it without being covered in cactus. So the bike like stopped, hit the tree, and then it just felt like really slow motion as I slowly tipped towards the cactus. 
and was completely covered in thorns. And in Texas, we don't have where I'm from. It's not like the, you know, typical desert cactus. It's small cactus with these round leaf type things. And they have very small thorns, which are much, much worse than the big thorns because they take forever to get out. My poor mom had to spend hours uh, with tweezers trying not to laugh at me as she pulled each out because she watched the whole thing and she just saw it. Yeah, no, he's not going to turn. Okay, that's right. I'll be here. And uh, (laughs) she's going to listen to this. So thank you, mom, for your support in my life. And um, so (laughs) I fell pretty hard. And it was pretty uncomfortable, and it was pretty painful. But I got back up. I was probably like a couple hours after the last thorn finally was removed, and I was back on the bike, and I can tell you that time I turned. I would rather fall turning than do that again. Never had any problems with turning again. And uh, the thing I want to say with that is that there are times in our life where God carries us and he supports us like training wheels he holds us up he keeps us from falling but there are other times where God's there to pick us back up when we fall sometimes he takes the training wheels off but he's right there with us he's right there to pick us back up to encourage us to get us back on the bike so to speak and that's sometimes what we need I couldn't ride my bike with training wheels forever. Couldn't be in high school riding a bike with training wheels. It's just not very cool. And there had to be a point where I went from that safety of the training wheels to riding my bike without training wheels. Even though the transition was very uncomfortable. And again, I have like a much worse story than most people. So hopefully it doesn't go that bad for everybody. But the point is... There has to be this point where the training wheels come off. And in those moments, God, you may feel like, as we saw last week, Gideon screams, God, you've abandoned us. Where are you? And we can feel like that in those moments. But God's, God's right there to pick us back up. He's right there. He lets us fall sometimes because it's the best way to learn. It's the best way to have that transition where we go from this safety to God, to trusting God to be there to pick us back up. So that's what I want to encourage you guys with. That this is a part of our growth process. And it's not always comfortable. But if you're not going through uncomfortable moments from time to time, if things don't get a little hard now and then, then it means you're not moving And we want to be moving forward in our relationship with God. We want to be growing. We want to be maturing. And if things are always easy, then you're still riding with the training wheels. You're you're not moving forward in your development. And that's something we have to be cautious about. And even though it's scary, we're never alone. God is there. And he gives us what we need. And so for that, I want to go back to our text And look at verse 9 of chapter 7. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I 
I am going to give it into your hands. So he's got 300 dudes against hundreds of thousands. Training wheels are off. It's go time. I mean, this is like sink or swim. He's in it. And God says, just go. You got this. I've given you everything you need. You can go right now and take them. But Gideon, being Gideon, still not completely sure of himself. And this is where we see God's grace, where God is so gracious to us and so loving towards us, even as he's training us and strengthening us and stretching us. Because God knows exactly where Gideon is. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you really need. And so if we look at verse 10 and 11, it says, If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Purah, and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he went with his servant down to the outpost of the camp. God is going to take the training wheels off and he's going to stretch us. He's going to put us in these situations where we're growing and maturing in our faith with him because that's what he does. That's a part of our walk with him. He's transforming our lives. But he still provides what we need. And maybe, as with Gideon, what we need sometimes is to be encouraged when we're afraid. To be reminded that God is with us, that God is for us. And uh, if we, the verse in between says that the, the enemy was as thick as locusts. And as I said before, their camels were like the sands of the seashore. So Gideon and his servant are sneaking into there and we can kind of understand his fear. (laughs) We can kind of relate to this idea of seeing an uncountable number, a, a fierce army. And not just a fierce army, but this is the army, the people that had been oppressing his people for the last seven years. So it's, it's not just, uh, it's not detached, it's personal. He's seen them. He's seen them raid and take the food from his family. He's, this is something that, uh, is deeply rooted Again, in the culture that he comes from. It's something that's rooted in his heart. But God is gracious to him. In verse 13 and 14, Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. That amazes me. I I mean, every time I read it, I'm just a little bit blown away. God clearly had been going before him the whole time. The whole time God had been providing what Gideon needed to accomplish what Gideon was called to do. And honestly, I believe in my heart that when, from the moment that God, we see the angel come to Gideon and say, you mighty warrior, God had already been striking fear into his enemies. He was already being called mighty by the, by the enemy, the ones that he was afraid of. 
So sometimes the, the things that we're facing in our lives are not as big and not as threatening as they seem to us. You know, the, it's like they might be more afraid of you than you are of them. <laughs> they were afraid of Gideon. This, some guy that, was, that we saw, you know, hiding from the enemy. It says, I'm the least of my family. My family's the least of the tribe. And we're the least of Israel. This guy... The, the entire Midianite army was afraid of him. And Gideon needed that encouragement though. So even though God had already prepared everything, God was gracious to give him what he needed. And so even in those moments, we can still come to God. We can still ask him to be gracious and to give us that encouragement. He knows what we need, but we also have to trust him that what he gives us is what we need. What he tells us, what he leads us in, is what we need. It may not be always what we want, but it's what we need. And he's good like that. In my own life, I've had many times where God showed me things and brought me through things step by step, and it was really clear. And there were other times where God kind of just said, all right, just trust me here. Just trust me. And I think practically, that can be hard for us to grasp. And uh, so actually, I want to ask Giannis to come up. I've got a demonstration for you guys. You can juggle, right? <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing, by the way. So what I want you to do is close your eyes and then put this on. Blindfold yourself. That's a blindfold look that's made to look like a scarf okay all right so this is what i want to show you guys i'm going to do three things three demonstrations to show what this looks like i'm going to i'm going to center you over here all right right here all right got my hand on your shoulder i want you to take one step okay now one more step and another oh, i'm going to lead you a little bit this way all right all right now turn around okay now i'm going to stand right here next to you and I want you to take three steps forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, there's one, two, three. All right, stop. All right, I'm going to turn you back around so you don't crash into anything. Okay, now I want you to just walk until I say stop. Up. Oh. <laughs> okay, walk until I say stop. Go. Okay, stop. Good. All right, you can take the blindfold off now. All right, come on, guys. A little bit of a hand. I want to demonstrate that by that's how God leads us at different times in our lives. And in my personal life, I've had experienced all three. I've had moments where God had his hand on my shoulder and it was left foot, right foot, step-by-step -step directions. And there were times in my life where God was like, all right, I want you to, to go here. I want you to, to take a step out of faith in this decision or in this area or trust me with this trust that i'm going to provide your finances trust me that i'm going to provide uh what you need the the words to say the the leading that you need in the time that i'm calling you to and there are times where god said okay go just go go until i say something else and when i when i first came to germany i, I had that i God laid it in my heart and, and I felt 
it was clear God was calling me. He wanted me to move to Germany and to, to be a part of a, a church plant that was here. And I was like, all right, you know, how, how's this going to work? What do I do about this? What do I do about this? And, you know, what about finances? What about my job I have right now? Or, you know, how do I figure all this out? And, and I remember very clearly, and I wrote it down, and God said two words, just go. Just go. And, and really, he didn't say anything else until finally I went and I got to Germany and God led me in every, and then he went back to leading me step by step. And so there are times when God's going to ask us to kind of, hey, just trust me. Just go. Just step out in this. I need you to remove the training wheels. I need you to move in your relationship with me, to mature in your relationship with me because we need to be transformed. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. And I can say from my own life, my own experience, that uh, it was really scary. It was really frightening to, uh, to do that. And I literally just sold all the things that I had and put the rest in storage and quit my job and just bought a one-way ticket to Germany. <laughs> and it was really scary. And it was also the greatest and best thing I've ever done in my life. And it completely changed my life. And for the better. <laughs> and, uh, and I can't imagine where my life would be if I hadn't done that. And, I mean, I had a pretty good life. I wasn't, you know, terribly bad or, you know, uh, in a bad situation or... I mean, it would have been fine to stay the course I was, but I can't describe to you the joy, the difference in joy and peace I experienced. And honestly, as mo the moment the plane landed, I was still terrified, still had no idea what was going to happen, but I had peace about it. I knew I wasn't alone. I knew that I had done what God had called me to do. And it turned out pretty good for me in the end. God was definitely a part of it every step of the way. But I want to encourage you guys that there are times when if God's leading you to just go, then just go. And again, you don't want to do that on your own. I, I had people that I prayed with. I had people that I, I met with and counseled with. And some of them gave, you know, said it was, a, you know, hey, just trust God. And others were like, you're crazy. So you have to also kind of take that in consideration that uh, when you talk to other people, they're not always going to maybe hear what God's saying to you. But uh, when God's leading you in something, it's good to trust him in that and know that he will provide everything that you need. And Philippians uh, 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And that to me is what that looks like. When we take these steps out and we trust him, when we go to that next level, it's him who's working. It's him who's working to will and to act for a great purpose, for the calling and the, the reason that we're created, ultimately to glorify God. So back to Gideon, verse 15, chapter 7. 
when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he blew down, he, yeah, down, bowed down and worshiped. I'll get there, guys. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. So Gideon received from God exactly what he needed. He received the encouragement he needed when he needed it. And uh, he was reminded that it was God who was with him and that it was God who was going to be glorified in what he was called to do. But he still had to do it. It's good to be encouraged. But then there's that point where you actually have to step out and make that decision. So in Judges 7, 16 through 18... So he's dividing the 300 men into three companies. He placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow, your tr- blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So talk about trusting in the Lord. This was a guy who needed constant signs and we saw him kind of following God in the dark. So God told him to break down the, the idols in his town and he did it at night because he was afraid. And then we see him called mighty and we see him called to lead an army. And so this great army surrounds him and they go and God says, no, I'm gonna do it with just 300. And then... He says, I'm going to do it with 300, but uh, your weapons are going to be trumpets because that seems to be the most logical and dangerous weapon of choice. They must have played really bad. That must, maybe that was it. Like, ah, it's horrible trumpet music. I don't know. But either way, the thing I want to point out is this kind of transition of Gideon this path of growth that we can see clearly in his life, going from constantly being afraid, needing constant signs, and God being right there with him, to stepping out, all right, I'm leading the army, but he's still afraid, and now he goes into battle with trumpets. That is quite a transition of faith and uh, something I think that we can be encouraged by. And to relieve all your suspense, it works. They do exactly as the text says. They surround the, uh, the army. They surround the camp. They're blowing trumpets, smashing jars, and waving fire around. And all of the people, the enemy, starts to actually fight each other. And uh, Gideon gets them on the run. And all throughout the rest of this chapter and most of the next chapter, we see Gideon chasing down... Uh, the Midianites to the last man. Unfortunately, we don't have time to read through all of it because it's really, really long. But I would encourage you to read it at home. It's a good read. And uh, always, if you have any questions or wanted to discuss any particular point in it, you can always let me know. I'd love to discuss it more. But I actually want to jump into chapter 8. And this is after Gideon's victory. After he's, it's, he's won And uh, in verse 22 and 23, the Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson, 
because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Now this is a great image for us of keeping God at the forefront of every blessing and every victory we have in our lives. When we do step out and we trust God, sometimes when we get across the finish line and we have this moment of victory, we can start to feel really good about ourselves. But Gideon, and Gideon has this opportunity to become the king. But he says, no, no, we're gonna trust in the Lord. We're gonna follow him. Again, this is a, a cool sign of, of the maturity of giving God the glory in the victory as well, not just seeking him desperately when we're facing the hard situations, but when he gets us through the situations, being quick to say, hey, that was God. God did that for us. Let's follow him. He's the one who led us this far. And it's a really good example. Unfortunately, it's kind of short-lived because then, uh, though Gideon refuses to be the king of the people, which was a good choice. He does, uh, he does say, well, what I will do is I'll take all of the gold earrings from, from that, out of all of the spoils that we took, I want all of the gold earrings. I'm not sure why he wanted the earrings, but that's what he wanted. So he got all of the earrings and he made an ephrod. I'm gonna just guess on that. And this is in verse 27, so... Chapter 8, verse 27, Gideon made the gold into an ephrod, which he placed in Ophrah, his, so his hometown. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there. And it became a snare to Gideon and his family. And I, uh, so what that thing is, is like a, it's like a garment thing that the priests, a priest would wear and they would wear it in a time when they would be seeking God or to be led by God. And a key thing here is that there was one in Israel and normally there was just one that the high priest would use to be led by God. And he kind of made his own and put it in his own town. And so he kind of took the spoils, took the the victory and made something that was meant to honor God, but it became more about that and less about God. And that is why it became a snare and became something that they ended up worshiping the victory itself, worshiping this thing rather than the one who provided it, the one who provided that victory, the one who was the, the one who led them. And uh, so when we say yes to God and God gives us a victory, he gives us this, gets us through that hard situation or we, he calls us to do something and we get through that scary taking the training wheels off moment and we are trusting in him. We need to also keep trusting in him, not just when we're in the hard times, but also when things are going well, which was the problem of the Israelites. And uh, just to end the story of Gideon, I'll say that he ended up having peace in the land for 40 years he died as, it just says, a, a very well old age and uh, was buried with his father. And in Judges eight thirty three through 34, it says, No sooner had Gideon died 
Then the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up uh, Baal Berith as their God and did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. It starts exactly the way, or it ends exactly the way it started. And I'll invite the band to come back up. This cycle continued for the Israelites because they forgot what God had done. And so in conclusion, I want to encourage you guys to be trusting in God even when the training wheels are off and he's leading us maybe to just go or to maybe go through a situation that's a little more difficult, that it can be a good thing that God's maturing us and growing us spiritually. But when things are good, let's also trust in God and glorify him in all that we do and all that we say and think because we don't want to fall into the cycle that we see with the Israelites where they again and again, as soon as things are good, as soon as there's peace, they forget what God had done. They forget who saved them, who brought that peace. And then the cycle goes back again. So I want to encourage you guys to give God glory in all the good times and in the bad. So let's worship him together right now with one last song. I'll invite you guys to stand.